How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So, hello, and welcome to another episode of But Why. Today, well, it's not today, on the recording day, I guess she's actually a dame, Dame Jessica Innes Hill. And we talked, well, we talked about all sorts actually. But the thread running through it is balance. We talked about, um, in the early days of her career, balancing being a young person. Oh my word, that makes me sound so old. A young person with a career that kicked off, you know, earlier than average. Then we fast forwarded to talking about balancing parenting and her career. And then we moved into an area that is of interest, well, is where... Um, Jessica's career is now at and also something that I'm fascinated in and the idea of balance in terms of menstrual cycle in relation to training which is absolutely fascinating I should also add that um, some housekeeping issues the world was against me on the day of this recording we had my dog jangling around the house and barking and even though I'd asked them not to next door started drilling so there's a little interlude where I nip round and ask them to stop which Jessica dealt with very well by just giggling at me basically so without further ado um, let's get going and listen to this episode good morning I keep wanting to say good morning good afternoon how's it going I'm good how are you all right all right yeah um, I can't quite believe it's Thursday again these weeks fly by don't they I know I know the week's going so quick half term next week though for us I don't know about you so we're gonna have a yeah yeah they break up yeah at the end of next week wow so have they been back for a full half term or did they not go back in oh, I can't remember Reggie asked me this it's this so morning blurry. he was like how many weeks have I been back at school since Easter and I was just like I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know how many weeks I don't been. think they went back I honestly don't know. It's so confusing. And then they're about to finish a school year, basically, having not been there. I know. It's so mad, isn't it? How old are are your two? Um, Reggie's going to be seven in July and lives three. Oh, I've got a three-year-old. Uh, I've got an an eight-year-old and a six-year-old boy, so either side side of yours. And then I've got a three-year-old girl who I was just sending some voice notes about her this morning. I mean, she's she's something else. It's like a daughter <laughs> after boys. She, I'm, yeah. I'm in awe of her. I, I don't know. She's so inflexible and so like knows what she wants. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's such a difference, isn't it? Like you say, when you've had boys, like their girls are just so different. Like they grow up so quickly, and they know like who they are and what they want. Like at three, it's just like mind blowing. <laughs> It's mind blowing. I honestly, 
yeah, it sounds really cliche, but I feel very inspired by her. I'm just like, mm. I really hope that you hold on to yeah. all of this because yeah. it's. And, and then I think when you have kids, you think that you're going to kind of, you feel like you can take credit for them. But I just, yes, of course, we're raising them. But I just like <laughs> you are, you've come into this world as as you and I just happen to be your parent. <laughs> No, it's so true. I think it's a girl thing, massively a girl thing. Yeah, and, and but then you do get glimpses of yourself. I'm like, all oh, right, yeah, I, I get it. I get what I'm. I must have been like. It's. I, in fact, I'm saying this is a complete tangent. I'm going to rein myself in. But I was more worried about having a daughter than I was um, boys because I think it will shine a light on a lot of yourself. And actually, I was saying to a friend, mm. I found it very healing because some of the things. I guess like being quite strong-minded, which society I think can make you feel is a bad thing. And then I watch it mm. in her and I think, oh no, this is awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think I was probably more nervous about having a boy because he was my first and I was just thinking, yeah. oh, like boys, what, what do, how do boys think? Like, what do you do with a boy? I even like remember like Googling like <laughs> how to raise a boy, like what do you do? <laughs> and actually he was just so plain sailing, really easy, like baby child. And then Liv came along and I was like, wow. I thought well, I knew what I was hiya. doing with a girl, but I'm like, whoa, you are different. <laughs> Can you see yourself in them? Um, yeah, I see myself a lot in Reggie. Um, do you? But I do see, I do see parts of me in Liv. I think she's just so, like you say, they're so strong-willed and they know what they want. And these are like challenging qualities when they're this age. But you just see that, like you say, if they can hold me. on to them, they are amazing qualities to have as a as an adult. So yeah, I hope she does. <laughs> So I, I always like hang this podcast on a, a, a single topic so that it gives me a thread. And I've kind of thought that balance felt like an interesting thread through your career and, and the different parts that it's been through. But before I get to that, now now you've obviously got kids and obviously your career. What When did your kind of career start, Did would you think? How young were you? Um, So I started when I was like 10, if you can say it was a career then. It was just more like a, a hobby of, you know, finding athletics and sport for the first time but that was like my first kind of introduction to the world of sport and then it kind of just like developed and built year on year on year so now that you can see with Reggie that's three years away does it make you think that it was really young or can you see that him following that kind of path or does it do you reflect differently on it now you've got a child of that kind of coming up to that age yeah I, it's a good question because I've never actually really thought gosh he, like three years away he will be at the stage where I was when I'd begun this journey um and I kind of think yeah for me it felt like a, a great time it's not you know like when you're in the world of gymnastics or some of the other sports where you start very very young at the age of like three or four I felt like I was relatively kind of knew what I wanted to do at the age of 10 and enjoyed sport and just took pleasure from it. So yeah, I hope he does kind of find a way into sport, a way that he enjoys sport and that he kind of gets something positive from it. Um, but yeah, it's still a young age to, to begin your career, like yeah, you say. <laughs> but you didn't know you were beginning your career, did you? You knew you were taking up something that you enjoyed doing, I guess. Yeah, I had no idea that it would be my career. I just I just love being active. I love being competitive. I like being at the track and kind of didn't really know much about the Olympics or world championships or 
even how you would even get to that point like it was something that I'd never really thought about at that stage it was just pure enjoyment do you think in some ways I'm, I'm projecting things but I sometimes think it, it pays to be a bit naive like in terms of like having my own business if I knew what it actually involved or it or motherhood for that matter <laughs> like I think it's sometimes it's sometimes bizarrely useful to to be wandering into things a little bit unknown yeah I agree I think I'm kind of the kind of person that likes to know what's coming up and I like to be planned I like to be organized in what I do but actually you're so right because if you if you knew your whole journey and how your career would unfold and the different directions it would take and every element of it firstly there'd be no enjoyment in it and secondly you probably would perhaps question some of the steps that you take and ultimately mm -hmm. you have to make those you know those changes and, and go on those journeys to get to your end point anyway um so yeah it's, it's probably best to to delve in and just kind of get on with it I think what yeah it's so interesting do you think there was ever a kind of point where you know on the theme of balance where you were like right because it's quite young when when things started to get serious to know that you needed to commit more of yourself than I guess it, uh, well again I'm projecting but I, I guess it implicated your your social life and and how much free time you had and do you remember kind of deciding that eyes on this is this is the commitment I'm going to make or was it just always where you felt that you wanted to be no it was always a battle at those at that stage of my life and that age because you know when you're 10 11 12 coming into your teenagers you know your friendship circles are changing there's so much emphasis on studying at school and you know my parents wanted to make sure I was you know getting the grades that I needed to exam levels and that kind of thing and then your friends are going out and socializing and you're having to compete and train and it was this constant like tugging of I don't want to miss out and I want to enjoy my life with my friends but I also really enjoy my sport and what I'm doing and I'm gonna have to make some sacrifices along the way so it was yeah for many years it was quite challenging to kind of strike that balance and and at that age understand how important it was and having mm. that right balance from the start so yeah it was definitely a challenge for sure is there ever a time when you really resisted it or went against it or did you once you were kind of in the process you you, you stuck with like athletics being a priority yeah I think I always knew that I wanted to to be an athlete like I enjoyed it and I had the support and the encouragement from my parents so just gently encouraging me to kind of you know just go and train enjoy do what you're doing but then at the same time I definitely had those moments of gosh what am I doing like I just want to go out and have fun with my friends and yeah I definitely had a few moments where I thought oh is this you know is this right for me am I making the right decisions are these sacrifices that I'm ultimately going to make at this stage going to be worth it um and obviously I didn't have the answers to those questions at that age so mm. it was it was a gamble yeah because it's interesting to sit here now and and without doubt it's worth it you know look at what you've achieved but it, it must be very hard for people who do make that level of commitment and don't hit hit what would be conceived as like the big time mm. yeah but that's I guess that's the risk of life isn't it yeah and I think within sport unfortunately that is the majority of people it's a small mm. group of athletes who are lucky enough to obviously have the skill have the talent but also have the right support network and all those different variables like come into play so you can perform and be you know your ultimate on those days of competition whether it's Olympics or 
you know, World Cup or whatever it might be, most mm. athletes do actually suffer with injuries and setbacks and just life changes. And, you know, it doesn't mm. always materialize into those, you know, glory moments. So it is, mm. yeah, it's, it's high risk. There's there's massive highs within sport without a doubt, but there are a lot of lows and, and disappointments along the way. And did you, when you, you said a support network, but as a, as a teenager, did you have a, a group of friends who were also training in the same way that were did you have your your crew who who were also making those sacrifices who within that crew it, it might have felt more normal to be doing what you're doing um not really so my my friends no so my my closest friends at school and I'm still very close to them there's like a group of five of us and we're all dotted around in various places now but we're really really close friends and um I was the only one in that group that did sport did athletics and the rest of them did you know various different things and have gone into different careers now um so in a way it kind of made it a little bit of a struggle because my friends were obviously off doing different things but then Mm. at the same time it was nice to have that great friendship group where I could come away from sport and just just be normal and you know not be any different to them and yeah just have that great support from those girls that kind of knew me really really well I mean, they must be. They, they must have been so proud of you when, yeah, for your various achievements. So, in in like the peak of your training days, what would your schedule have been like? How much of your time was spent training? Uh, so I trained six days a week, so twice a day, six days a week. I'd have one day off, um, and obviously because it was the heptathlon, I had seven events to do. So I'd do, you know, three hurdle sessions a week. I'd do weight sessions, plyometric sessions, hill sessions, and covering all my different events amongst that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I look back now and it was an intense training regime, but obviously, you know, I had all those events to cover and I needed to make sure that I was, you know, the fittest that I could be and really well prepared for those big competitions. It's mad, isn't it? Like, and I guess we'll get onto it in a minute, but if you compare that to the shape of your life now, like having, like, it's only a certain period of life where you have the luxury to commit that many hours of your day, you know? Yeah. It, it's kind of, it's kind of a blessing to go, this is the wrong word, but not selfish, but just to be able to indulge, indulge in the thing that you're good at and, and give it all because... Yeah, that isn't the case as you get, well, once you've got people who are dependent on you. Yeah, no, absolutely true. And I think as an athlete, you do have to be quite a selfish person because it's all about you at the end of the day. It's about your performing. It's about having the right nutrition, the sleep, the psychology, everything around it and everything around you is to do with you. And then, Mm. you know, I remember looking back at those times and particularly, you know, on the lead up to the London Olympics I was just thinking gosh I'm so busy I'm so busy I'm so tired and I was at that time but now I look back and think wow that was such a luxury I had training in the morning a nap at lunch training in the afternoon and now obviously with two kids and everything else that's happening around me it's like this is definitely busy (laughs) compared it's so and it like it's so interesting isn't it like your body is being pushed to its absolute max in terms of training like that but it but it's not it's a different kind of exhaustion to and and the thing is within reason within that training field correct me if i'm wrong it's all um, calculated you know what what when you're pushing where etc etc the whole the, the difficulty and as you touched on i'm a similar personality type to you 
I like a plan, I like a schedule, mm-hmm. I like to know where I'm aiming for. And motherhood, like nothing else, challenges that, doesn't it? It's just like, wow, yeah. you cannot geek up on this. <laughs> you can't plan it. You can't control it. You've got to. You've got to let it all go. And it's it's really a baptism of fire. Yeah, it's that kind of unpredictable nature that you know, kind of life brings you when you have kids. And I think before I had Reggie, I was kind of of this really logical mind of this will happen and we will work in this way and I'll train and you know I had it all planned out and absolutely does not work like that because they're they're not predictable creatures and they you know have illnesses and they you know all these growth spurts they have every (laughs) five minutes and they're changing and yeah it's just a completely different world that I don't think you can fully prepare for or really know what to expect Mm -hmm. until you're in it. No, it's, it's unreal. It's like they have that one day where they all sleep brilliantly and you're like, what was it? What was the magic <laughs> formula? And, and there was no magic formula. No. And it, yeah, it's been a real, it's really good to to just accept and try and be a bit more fluid. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think that's um, one thing I've definitely learned being a parent is that I think sometimes you just have to go with the flow of the moment. And I think kind of fighting against who you are sometimes trying to be that really organized person just go with it sometimes and live mm. in that moment of kind of spontaneity and I think that like is it within this com- this idea about balance like for me because I like a system I'd like to be able to say right I do this many hours at the gym I do this much as a parent and I do this much in my career and actually what I'm beginning to learn in my late 30s is that it it dials up and dials down you know Mm. that there will be times when balance actually looks like not much of my career and much more of my parenting and Mm. and vice versa and it and it's not kind of a, a finite thing that you achieve it's this constant negotiation yeah I think it's just not knowing that it's in a set way and that you know we as individuals change so much over our life anyway and our children do and you know, life is constantly changing direction and we have to put emphasis, like you say, on certain areas of our lives to kind of strike that balance that's right for us at that time. And that's what's interesting is that often, well, actually, yeah, often you don't know the changes are coming, although maybe that's a bit different for you because you, it's weird for me when I'm reading, I was reading up on your career and it's like, and she retired. And it's like, well, you didn't retire, did you? You you stopped a part of it. It's not like you put your feet up for the rest of your life. And it just feels like it's it's a piece of language. I understand what it means. You're not being competitive athlete anymore. But it often, yeah, these changes have come about before you've even realised. You suddenly look back and you're like, oh right, yeah, I'm I'm a different version of me. I'm in a different chapter of my life. But I didn't really realise that that had happened. Yeah, I think they do. They kind of creep up on you. And although. In my mind, I knew when I wanted to retire from sport, I knew, you know, after one more cycle of of the Olympics, Rio was the time for me to retire. I didn't really have that great, like, (laughs) knowledge of where I wanted to go beyond sport. And I didn't have it all planned out. I kind of wanted to find myself and find my way into another side of kind of my life that I enjoyed and that was passionate, that I was passionate about and wanted to learn more about. And then, yeah, you kind of, you drift, don't you? yeah so in those like in those peak moments like yeah like london olympics in that moment when you are picking up the medal are you able were you able to be in the moment and be like oh my word this is the culmination of my career or is it all just a blur and 
Yeah, because that's what I was thinking about. You're still a normal person. You still had to sleep that night. You still had to. <laughs> you still might have had a row with your partner, or you might have, you know, been a bit. It's kind of. It's yeah. When you see it through the lens of, of spectator, you're like, oh look, there's this superhuman, and it is superhuman. But how was it to be that person in that body at that moment? It it was incredible, and I think you're you're so right. You are just you're still an individual. You're still a person. You still have all the emotions and experiences that everyone else has it's just in a slightly unique way and I think yeah I mean that moment when I stood on the podium I absolutely just wanted to take that moment to soak it all up and really just kind of like cast my mind back on what it actually took to get to this point and stand there and think gosh I've actually done it my family are there watching me I'm at a home Olympics I've won the gold medal and just really, yeah, soak it up as much as possible because it it was literally all I'd ever dreamed of doing and more. And I, I couldn't quite believe that I'd got there. And I think that night, obviously after when I went back to the Athletes Village, kind of celebrated with my family and my friends and saw everyone. And then I went back to, you know, the Athletes Village to a single room by myself in a single bed. Did you? At like, it must have been three o'clock in the morning. And I was just kind of laying there like, this is so what? bizarre. Has this actually happened? And yeah, it was just such a surreal feeling and waking <laughs> up in the morning by myself with my medal thinking, gosh, this actually happened. It was yeah, crazy. Because there's not many, yeah, other than sport, there's not many things where you go, here's my dream, I've reached it. It's like, it's quite a mind-blowing concept to go, this is a North Star. And even if you know that you're really good at what you do, as you say, there's so many things that could stop that actually happening. But yeah, to wake up the next day and go, all right, well, that life goal is done. I I know, it was it was crazy and I think more than anything I'd not allowed myself to think about what was going to happen after like I'd only Mm. allowed myself to think about my performances and what it would take to get to that gold medal and get on the podium but actually visualizing being on the podium or anything that would come beyond that point I'd never allowed myself to go there so it it was so strange just laying in bed thinking right (laughs) I've done it. Like what? What next? <laughs> I'm by myself. And especially if you're this if you're this person who's like really driven, it's quite weird actually to have that the goal bit. Well, I can only imagine. Not that I'm ever going to be a gold medal Olympian, but to have the goal taken away is actually kind of disconcerting, isn't it? Because it's like you've had this thing, and then yeah, yeah. you've you've reached it. it during that during that day. Did your performances feel amazing for you? Did you have that sense, that kind of outer body sense that something great was happening? Yeah, I think we had a training camp before we got to London and I felt in really good shape. I felt, you know, injury free. I felt ready to to compete. I had one event, the long jump, which hadn't gone too well. So I was a little bit anxious about that one event. Um, But then once I got to the stadium, I started warming up that morning of my event. And I got out on the track. I was just absolutely buzzing. Like the crowd was incredible. The sun was shining. I was in the best shape of my life. I had no injuries. I wasn't ill. I hadn't woken up with a cold or anything like that that you always stress about. Um, And I was just ready to to perform and yeah, soak it up. So yeah, I knew that I was ready and I'd done, I'd done all the training. I trained so hard. I, you know, I'd made all the sacrifices. I'd had disappointments along the way. And I just felt that this was my time to, 
to just yeah. go out there and show what yeah. I can do, just perform. Um, and yeah, although I, I can talk very fondly about it now and say, oh, it was amazing. Actually, during those two days, I felt like I was holding my breath the whole time and I was so like nervous as to what was actually going to happen in the end. So yeah, there's a there's a little bit of you that was going this this could be happening this this could be it but as you say you, and you need a little bit of that to kind of give yourself the boost but not enough to to lose your head I guess that's exactly the mental the mental place you've got to sit in. Yeah, it's that that confidence knowing that you you know you have a right to be there you've trained so hard and you can do this that that belief in yourself but also not getting carried away like you say I couldn't get too far ahead of myself so when one event was going well and I was buzzing off the back of that I had to make sure that I then like regained my focus and composed myself because I had you know the rest of the events to come up and you know things can easily go very 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 wrong in those events so I had to just keep really really focused and yeah sure of what I was out there to do. So I've got a couple of questions on this. This is like absolutely fascinating for me. Number one, how old were you at, at that age when you when you got it? Uh, I I was twenty six. So young. <laughs> yeah, this is what I was going to ask. Like to have that, um, to hold all of that for yourself, to to have the discipline and the confidence, but not too much confidence. When you again, when you reflect, you're like twenty six. That is really very young to have all that that those those mental that mental skill set yeah I think now when I reflect on it and obviously I'm 35 now and it pains me to say that I can't believe it but yeah it's mad isn't it those those 30s race by I know they've gone so quick um it does it does feel really strange because like you say 26 is so young and to have all that pressure and expectation and that focus and drive to go on to achieve that is it's a lot to have at that age but I think up until that point, I'd experienced so much and starting sport when I was 10, I'd had all those highs and lows and setbacks and experiences that I could draw upon for those, you know, those key moments of those two days of competition. So I felt at that stage, I was pretty, you know, enriched and I felt that my mental strength was probably the best it had ever been from previous experiences. So I felt ready. My other question, this is this is leading on to like where your career's gone, although I want to talk about motherhood as well. I hope you have time. That you're now um a big advocate well, in in um talking about hormones and your cycle and how that relates to like um your experience mm-hmm. as an athlete. Do you know where you were on your cycle on that day? Were you were you <laughs> I wish I knew. I wish I, I knew to... because it's a really interesting conversation because I've spoken about it so much already that that understanding of my menstrual cycle and my hormones as an athlete was really very like rarely spoken about or really understood and it's so strange because you know there's so much emphasis put on every small area of improvement as an athlete you know you have to focus on your nutrition or your sleep on your psychology everything but there was still no real understanding of you know understanding athletes menstrual cycles and how they impact on training and also competing which is just it kind of it kind of blows your mind and I think the biggest thing behind it is just that there's not enough research and there's not enough you know money and time invested in you know really looking at this hugely important part of not just athletes lives but women's lives in general 
Um, and it, yeah, it, it kind of really sparked an interest in me when I was pregnant with Reggie because I was still competing. And mm-hmm. you know what you feel like when you're pregnant and your hormones change and your hormones mm-hmm. impact you physically and mentally. And, and you just have Everything. such a massive awareness of them at that stage. And that kind of sparked my interest in understanding, you know, our bodies from a hormonal perspective during all those phases of our lives. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, you know, like pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, postnatal, menopause, having your periods for the first time, you know, just understanding and helping women to know when to move their bodies and when's best to move mm-hmm. their bodies for them individually and hormonally. It's, it's interesting. So I've done a, yeah, a couple of podcasts about our periods and perimenopause goodness me we're no, gonna no. get a break do we and uh, no but first of all I was like oh you know this is so unfair that we have to like be navigating this on top of everything else but actually if you re- do reframe it when you do begin to understand your cycle especially only for me training in an amateur way if you can plug into mm. it then yeah well that's why I asked you if you were ovulating I bet mm. you were I, let's t- let's say you were because <laughs> it makes for a better thing because when when it when it comes and you're firing yeah it's amazing to have that that your body on side with that but it does yeah there are a few days in the cycle where you've just got to not fight fight because it's it's i think that's the thing i think it's just for so long you kind of have that negative relationship with your hormones and your menstrual cycle and you feel that it's something that you kind of just have to deal with and get on with and you don't have real any real control over it when actually like understanding how you can tap into it and understand you as an individual and know when perhaps I need to do like a really steady session because there's no point in me doing a hit session or going for a hard run Mm. at this time because I'm literally going to gain nothing whereas you know in your follicular phase that's the stage where you should just you know get those strength sessions in push yourself hard go for it and you will see the benefits so, I mean, it's just really simple things, mm. but I think so many women don't have access to that information, and I think it's really important. I couldn't agree more. So, did you have periods throughout all of your training, or did you train to a point that it impacted that, if you don't Yeah, so I had a natural cycle for part of my career and then went on contraceptive, uh, contraceptive pill for the rest of it. Because, again, it's something that's never really kind of spoken to you about. You kind of just, you know, if you've got certain symptoms or you're struggling anyway, then we're very quick to say you know go on the pill and this will kind of rectify any issues that you have without the real understanding of of you know the side effects and how it will affect you from a competitive point of view but also just generally Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's, it's just that understanding I think it's having that understanding from a young age you know as soon as you do start your period just knowing like all the pros and cons and and how you might feel and the impact of you know things like nutrition and exercise and how they can be really powerful in in helping symptoms and, and other issues that you might have before you know you make any like drastic decisions and now for a quick advert for my book but why how to answer tricky questions from kids by having an honest conversation with yourself as you've probably heard if you've heard these adverts week in week out um, i cover all sorts of subjects and one of them one of the questions I look at is, but why do people exercise? Um, and actually that ended up a bit being a bit more about why don't people exercise? And I did a lot of research into our early experiences of sport, lots of hangovers of um, yeah, bad experiences of PE at school, whether that's shifted now, how we can role model exercise for our children, amongst other things. 
But Why is available to pre-order now from your favourite bookshop and they'll also find a link in the show notes. Now back onwards with this episode. If we try and be linear all the time, mm. you're fighting a losing battle. So yeah, like accepting that your appetite changes, that your energy levels change, mm. that your sleep changes. Yeah, you, you can work with it rather than be literally fighting it all the time. Yeah, and I think that so often we kind of, we do, we're kind of like bombarded with fitness information, aren't we? Like there's so many different workouts to do and Instagram lives and there's just stuff everywhere. And it's kind of like we try and fit into everyone's way of training. And actually we kind of need to understand ourselves and how we have, like you say, these peaks and troughs and how our energy levels change. And if we can understand that, then we can slot our exercise in in a much more efficient way. And and for yeah, I mean, you're sitting here as someone who was an athlete, but for anyone who's trying to make yeah exercise, well, it's the same for you now. Fit exercise in around normal life. If you're making it something that's a battle, when you're you know, of course, if you're feeling tired, sometimes working out will help you out. But sometimes, if your baby hasn't slept and your hormones are raging rest or gentle movement is about the best thing that you can do for yourself yeah and i think that we kind of live in society now where you kind of feel that you have to do something all the time and i think perhaps Mm. covid's kind of made us realize that slowing down the pace is actually not a bad thing and i think when it comes to exercise there's so many people that just feel that we have to do stuff constantly every day work Mm. out but actually rest and recovery and you know, looking after yourself in a really good way has a much more positive benefit on when you work out the next time. So it's just allowing yourself and trying to change that psychology of how we think to allow yourself to rest and know that you don't have to push yourself constantly all the time. It's a real thing that I'm learning to live, to get my head around. Like exercise is a, is a thing for life. Mm. It's very, if your goal's orientated, it's like I'm training, I want to hit this weight, I want to do this, I want to do that. You go, no, I, I just want to keep my keep my head good and my yeah. body moving forever, forever. Yeah. So if you go, like, so that extra rest day is is, is not going to make any difference. In fact, it's only going to make you keep going for longer. Yeah, exactly. It just allows your body to recover as well. Like, you're pushing yourself. Your muscles have to adapt. You have to let them recover and change. You know, there's no point... I mean, when you're an elite athlete, it's slightly different. You have to almost your break your body down constantly. But for everyday women, you know, life is so full of so many different elements. And like you say, we just want to keep moving, we want to keep fit, we want to keep strong, we want to have energy, we want to have, you know, great mental health. And that's all helped by knowing how to move your body in the right way at the right times. So interesting. So talk to me about, I mean, obviously you, you came back post baby and and did it again i mean was that all what you knew in pregnancy that you were you were coming back afterwards was that always the plan yeah i i had a discussion with my team at the time and um they were all kind of like individually talking to themselves saying oh i'm not sure if you know she might feel different when she's had the baby and will she actually return but in my mind you know i'd never obviously become a mum so it was all going to be new but I still felt really really strongly about wanting to come back into training come back into my career and finish what was relatively you know the last part of my career was two two more years I wanted to do um so it was always something that was kind of just in there and yeah I Mm -hmm. wanted to achieve And, and, and we can all relate to that in that anyone who's wanted to go back to work because 
it's it's your identity as well it's it's yeah and you're in a unique position in that your work is such a physical one so how quickly were you actually training post baby oh I mean it was the biggest shock of my life to be honest I I kind of thought that yeah you know I'd I'd have a bit time off and and then I'd get back into training slowly but I didn't really fully understand how much my body was going to change and how much it changed after I didn't understand all the you know relaxing hormones and how they had a massive impact on my ligaments and my joints my Achilles tendons my hips were really lax and really flexible, which obviously is an issue when you're doing, you know, explosive ballistic events. I had no understanding as to how that was going to change mm. my body. So when I did slowly build back into training, I wasn't, I, I almost just wasn't the athlete that I was before. I, I didn't have the wow. turnover. I didn't have the speed that I had before. I didn't have that, I don't know, just that kind of reactive explosivity that I had before. And it took quite a long time for me to just kind of get to grips with that and just start building back up to very slowly to where I was before. Was it hard? Was it hard like going through what felt like habitual things for you, but it not your body not behaving in the way that you thought? Yeah, so hard because I'm I'm such a competitive animal and <laughs> when I was doing training sessions Yeah, it's your thing. Yeah, and when I was doing training sessions with my friends and, and the training group normally I'd be like strides ahead and you know loving life and doing really well and actually I found myself at the back of the group so often you know struggling to pick my speed up and struggling to to catch up to everyone and physically that was hard but mentally that was really hard because it made me just doubt myself and really question myself Mm -hmm. as to whether I could actually come back and you know be as successful as I was before really difficult and you know your your rational mind sitting here now I can imagine is like of course your, your body had, had grown a human but it, it's this constant grapple which is what parenthood is between wanting to be the very very best parent for them but not but find a way of keeping hold of yourself mm. and and training and competitive sport is like is fundamental to you so it's it's a very difficult line to tread isn't it? It is it's it's that constant battle like you say it's that guilt of feeling that you know I wanted to be the best mom I could be I wanted to make sure Reggie had everything he needed that he was just going to grow and be nurtured in the best way and have the best start in life and then I had this other side of me as you know I want to get back to the track and I want Reggie to see mommy successful in work and you know I want to go on to one more Olympic so yeah, I think you're just constantly faced with all these questions that you ask yourself constantly about whether you're doing the right thing and what's the right thing to do. And it's, yeah, it's a really, really challenging time as a, as a new mum because you just change so much. But how, I'm trying to work out how much later was it that you did then go on to get the next title? I'm reading my notes here, 15 months. Yeah, so I had Reggie in the July of 2014 and I slowly started building back into training and by... January the following year I was pretty much close to kind of full training and then me and the team we had this idea of you know I'll just start competing in the May and you know if I qualify qualify for the world championships then great that's like an added bonus and if I feel that I'm ready to go to the world championships in the summer then we'll make that decision then and we'll do it and as each month went on I kind of started getting a bit better started feeling stronger getting back to my usual self And we got to, I think it was the anniversary games, which was in London at the time. And it was just before the World Championships. And I ran the hurdles and 
ran a really great time and I remember just coming off the track and talking to the team and going yeah I think I think we can do this I think I can go to the Worlds so yeah so went on to the World Championships which was in Beijing um it was the hardest thing I did because I had to leave Reggie for two Mm. weeks and it was just awful like so horrendous and I found a note that I wrote him the other day. It was actually ended up down the back of the bed when I was cleaning. And it was a little note to say, mommy's got to go away and, you know, I'll be back soon. And I hope I'll bring you a gold medal. It literally made me cry reading it. Oh, um, you should keep that. Know, you should keep that as a real I moment. Know, I'll keep it forever. And yeah. And, you know, I, I got there. I, I focused and I was able to win, you know, win that championships and win that gold medal. And it's definitely one of my proudest moments without a doubt because yeah. that was all for you know for Reggie and he was my pure motivation then I was about to ask you that's what's quite mad isn't it because if you're thinking back to after London when you're in that single bed on your own and then when you have the same experience this time but there's something you're never then on your own are you you are in terms of he wasn't there but you're so aware of everything you're doing for your child at that point yeah everything it's quite mad to think of the different person you were Yeah, completely different and everything is so not that it wasn't meaningful in London but it's so meaningful this time because every sacrifice that I was making I had to make sure that I was a hundred percent sure I was going to go for it and come back you not disappointed but knowing that I'd not you know made the wrong decision I didn't want to have any regrets so those those medals after having Reggie just yeah they mean so much to me and they'll be so That's treasured by me and, and the whole family because we you know we all know how how hard it was to get to that point and how much it meant. See that's the important thing I think when we're talking about balance and sacrifice is any sacrifice is, is worth it if you've chosen it like mm. you knew this is going to suck to be away from my child for two weeks but it's done with consideration Mm. for this amount of time with hopefully this outcome and I think that's that's how you can look at other people and go that you know that this works for them or this works for them actually it's about where your parameters are on on things and I think for me there's definitely like oh I wrote a book last year which is definitely the hardest thing I've done for work (laughs) and it's like I wasn't I wasn't as good a mum as I would like to be well I usually like to be during that time Mm. But I, I hope that as they get older, I can say to them, sorry about th- that bit. I was sacrificing mm. bedtimes because I wanted this and I hope you're proud yeah. of it. And it's a give and take in different times. Isn't yeah, it? and it's hard to see, I think, in those moments that you're in it. But actually, that kind of all-round perspective of that whole situation, when you step back and think, for me, it was two weeks of being away where I was competing for two more years of my life. It wasn't five years it wasn't Mm -hmm. 10 years it was a relatively small sacrifice Mm -hmm. when he was so young but you still question yourself and knowing that do you know what he's part of that last part of my career and he's got all the pictures and the memories of coming down to the track and even now you know he Reggie and Liv both see me and my husband exercising and he's such a sporty active amazing boy and I feel that having all those you know experiences at that age hopefully has a positive impact on his life as well so there's a couple of things there's a, a Carl Jung if I said his name right a psychologist and he says the greatest burden for a child is his as their parents life unlived so if you the notion that you give everything and sacrifice all of yourself to your children isn't isn't actually in the end for their benefit at all mm-hmm. they, you know they they need to see you 
being fulfilled as well. And that isn't to say there shouldn't be sacrifice. There is. I think if anyone goes into parenting thinking that there won't be sacrifice, they're setting themselves up for a fall. Yeah. But also there's lots of data that this is like on a non-competitive level, but the best role modeling for kids in terms of keeping them in sport is for them to see particularly their mothers exercising because there's a huge drop off of girls from exercise as they start their periods actually mm. and and the best one of the best tools to compensate for that is for exercise to be normalized amongst other women around them so that's what I always tell myself if you take 20 minutes or an hour to go to the gym yes it makes me feel good it makes me show up better as a parent mm. but it, it I want my kids to have exercise as an important part of their lives so of course I want to show them it making it a priority yeah and it has such an a positive direct impact on them you know I see just with our kids you know they see you exercising and the way they see exercise the way they do exercise it's not it's not kind of like out of the ordinary, oh, it's a chore to no. go on a run or do a circuit. It's just normal to them. And that's such an important thing. And that'll stay with them and they'll grow up with that perspective mm. on sport. And I think it's such a such an important thing for them to see through their parents, definitely. Yeah, that movement is, is an absolute joy. You know, moving makes you live longer I mean it's it's as simple as that isn't it it's a, it's very easy to to tell yourself that it, it, well for me that I'm like oh is this indulgent to do yeah to be putting so much time into going to the gym but it's not indulgent I'm trying to be be the best version of I can for them as well as myself and that involves working out yeah and I think that's right it's like having that time as well isn't it like we're all so busy and as mums you feel that you you kind of have to control every element and be part of everything within your children's lives which is great but you have to have that time that energy for yourself as well because mm. if you don't then the energy that you bring to your children is it's not 100% is it and they you know they pick no. up on that so having 20 minutes to go for a run or you know go and do a hit session which I do in the garage all the time is it's just time <laughs> to kind of like recharge yourself and you know and come at them from a really fresh angle and yeah, I think it's so important, and for them to see, yeah, your yeah, parents are the best role models to to be there and encourage them to do it. It's those moments when you're like a bit tight, Jordan, a bit stressed. And you're like, I, I could just stay here with you, or I could go and let off some steam, and I could come back and 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 literally be like a different person for you. And I know what they'd prefer. They'd always prefer mummy, who's yeah, let off, who comes back into the room, feeling energized and a bit more de-stressed. When you train now, then how? How do you step back from being a competitive athlete and, and, and train in a way that works for where your life is now? Um, I mean, I am competitive with with lots of things still because that, that's just who I am and it'll be, I'll be like this forever. But I, I don't actually feel the desire to be competitive with sport. I'm competitive against myself. So if I'm doing a circuit mm. or I'm doing a circuit with my husband or you know, a, a quick workout, then I'll, I'll push myself hard. I find the motivation to want to, you know, work hard. Um, but I, I go out and runs regularly with a friend and sometimes he says, oh, do you fancy doing like a half marathon or something? And I'm like, no, I have no desire to I've enter any competition, to be competitive. I love running. I love keeping fit for me, for the benefits that I feel, you know, just the energy that it gives me and just pure enjoyment of, 
of exercising and getting out there and that is more than enough for me I've had years and years of being competitive um and you know being in competitions at that level and for me now it's just exercising and enjoying it in a completely different way it's it's so weird when something that is is like can be both a hobby and a career and and to know where the lines are so for you if you were to enter anything like that then probably it'd be very difficult for you to do a half marathon and not try and do it in a in a decent time, for example. Is that why you wouldn't want to do that? You've got to try and keep some lines on yeah, it. Yeah, I think if I did enter, I, I personally would never enter a half marathon, <laughs> but if I was to enter like a 5K or whatever it might be, I would probably yeah. say that I wasn't going to be competitive and enjoy it, but I know <laughs> I would be competitive and I wouldn't want to lose. <laughs> and it would just become too much. <laughs> so, yeah, I just stick yeah. away from that. You just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't think... I've been watching um, Greg Rutherford, the, the um, triple jumper, who's now training to be in the, in the bobsled team. Yeah, I saw to Greg. To go for gold for that. Yeah, I saw Greg had come out of retirement and, and yeah, had him for a Winter Olympics, hopefully, which is... Just as he's had a third I child. I mean, yeah, like... hats off. I mean, his life must be pretty busy. They, yeah, three kids and a newborn as well. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think amazing. You know, I think we all retire differently and we all have different motivations coming into retirement. And he's obviously found that spark to get back out there and be competitive. So, yeah, good luck to him. I'll definitely be watching. Yeah, I love... I'm, I'm really enjoying watching him, the bits of training he's putting up, like the engagement point on the on the bobsled is like oh wow I've never thought about what that that moment must be like it's interesting to watch someone who's obviously really adept athlete but to to pivot into a different thing to watch him go through that yeah I think it's nice I think if you've got such a kind of broad like fitness level and you've trained for that many years to be able to transfer it to another sport is incredible I think with Greg he's always been such like a powerhouse like he's got such strong legs and really powerful in the long jump so a natural like sport and progression for him was yeah definitely the bobsleigh so yeah I think he'll be pretty successful yeah it's fun it's fun to watch but yeah with a with a third newborn well done well well done Susie is what we should (laughs) say in this moment oh my gosh (laughs) bless her um so so what is kind of next for you where are you where's your head out are you I mean you're deeply in in motherhood and that is a lot yeah I I just enjoy in life like you say everything is a balance and the kids are still young I want to be a part of everything they're doing at the moment and you know how they're growing up and changing and yeah everything we're doing with the app at the moment with Jealous and trying to help more women become body literate and you know understand their hormones and how to to move with them is such a like it's such a big passion to me and that's something that's taken up a lot of my time and focus which is exciting um and yeah and obviously just seeing some more live sport back in action as well hopefully the olympics in the summer and yeah looking forward to commentating on that and, and being a part of that team as well so yeah hopefully an exciting summer and yeah back to normality a bit a bit hopefully yeah. it's funny that you should say the um the body literate thing because there's another thing that I've been posting about just talking about myself here so I was not a sporty person at school I like I definitely got kind of chucked out of the sport the sports system and then now <laughs> like it's a huge part of my life and and I was talking about like the importance of graft so now yeah I, I train a lot but I'm only half decent at it because I I 
I graft and I graft and I graft and mm. I graft. And I think that's very easy for why a lot of people fall out of sport because if you're not naturally showing any gift or not naturally sporty, you think that isn't for me. And it, that is such, uh, um, you're really missing out. There will be a thing that does suit you. And also just because you're not good at something doesn't mean you can't become good at it. Yeah, and above yeah. It, you know. It's so true. And I think it's finding the thing that's right for you as well. It's like having those options and those opportunities. And I think when we're young, we can often fall into one particular sport or one way of exercising. And it might not be suited to us. It might not be right. Mm -hmm. And you find it later on in life or you just need to be redirected and try. Mm -hmm. Like I always say to the kids, like, I want you to try as many different sports. I don't want them to just do athletics. I don't want them to do one sport. I want them to try lots of different things because you don't know where your talent lies and you don't know what you're going to take enjoyment from. Well, exactly. And, and And it's both of those things, isn't it? It's like, again, if you're very, a certain kind of personality, if trying to understand that you can enjoy something that you're not excellent at, that mm. you don't have to go through the ranks at, that you can do repeatedly do something, yeah, like go for a run that makes your head feel good, that gets your body moving, and you don't have to push for times and you don't have to, yeah, increase your distances. And and that isn't like my natural personality type, but it it's really important because I think so many people are missing out on the joy of movement and the, and the, the value of exercise by not fit, fitting into a box yeah I think it's just so hard isn't it because you just see so much and I think for for people who perhaps aren't naturally sporty and wouldn't naturally go down the route of sport it can be just so overwhelming can't it and there's mm-hmm. so much out there and you kind of feel overloaded with which direction to go in and it, yeah. it's just taking that first step most of the time and just finding your way into something that suits you and then just just building on it gently there's no there's no yeah. need to go hard at what you're doing sports wise you can just build and progress and be realistic with your goals but just have yourself goals that are right for you as an individual and not kind of measured against everyone else and consistency should be a goal i think that's what's really going back to this graft thing it, it, i mean for you you obviously had bags of talent but uh, a huge part of your success is is down to hours and hours and hours and life and decades of of training you know mm-hmm. talent only gets you so far doesn't it yeah and i think there's you know there's so many talented sportsmen and women out there and they may never make an olympics or or win an olympic medal because it's it's timing isn't it it's balance of everything it's it's all the sacrifices you make and and the training mm-hmm. that you put in so you can have talent but it, you know you doesn't mean you're going to use it in the right way and it's going to come out when you need it so yeah it's it's everything isn't it it's making sure that all those different elements work for you yeah I hope generationally I think PE has changed quite a lot from when we were younger you know it was very much a certain set the obvious sports and if you didn't fit into those but I already know my um my kids are like doing yoga or, or they're doing like hollow and arches except for they call them um boats and boats and rocket hopefully this generation are exposed to more variety of sport or, or not even i don't even want to say sport movement yeah i yeah i think like my daughter she does yoga at nursery like you say it's so it's cool. just, that's something that you just would never have done it, it is just being able to move your body in different ways and for it to be fun it doesn't have to be like your traditional you know typical sports that you did at school there's there's so many different ways you can move 
There is, there is. I, yeah, I, I, it's got to be different. Of course, it's different. Because I still had, well, you obviously trained in this professionally, but like gym knickers at school, which is like <laughs> such a dated concept. Ugh, they're made of horrible, scratchy material. And, and again, just as you're kind of going to secondary school in puberty, of course, you don't want to put on gym knickers. Yeah, I think it's such a big thing. I think you you classically see that kind of dropout at year nine level. Like girls don't want yeah. to do PE. They don't want to take up sport because they're changing so much hormonally. Everything's happening in them. And then there's not that support around understanding the hormones. Mm. And yeah, really simple things like what shower facilities, what they're going to wear to do PE and an exercise. All those things have like such a big impact on whether yeah. you get involved in sport at that age or whether you drop out and that's has an impact like going on for years and years and years so it's such an important age to address it yeah because and also the all the research by sports england says you know you've got this plummeting self-confidence and of course mm-hmm. the thing that can help you feeling good in your body is to keep moving but it, it's like this perfect storm of all yeah it all falls apart and boys are much better at, at sport being central to their lives and using their body but yeah, I mean, that's where to tie it all back that as a mum, if we can keep moving and talking, talking about cycles and exercise, hopefully it all won't feel so alien for our daughters. But by the sounds of it, neither of our daughters will need us anyway. No, so my, um, my book's called But Why? And it's answering difficult questions from kids about mm. like death and mental health and all of the stuff, the big stuff. And just as I handed it in, I was chatting to my eldest in the bath. He's like, well, ask me some of the questions, mummy. So I asked him and he like reeled off all the answers. And I was like, oh, well, I've just wasted a year <laughs> trying to come up with these really complex answers for you. You probably knew it. He's like, oh, yeah, I know what puberty is. Yeah, That's it's good, the sign I guess, of I good guess. mothering, see? You've taught him well. Yeah. <laughs> nailing it, or nailing it in parts. Again, that's it, isn't it? You're never nailing it. No. You're doing okay at best. And that's the thing, like, you can't be perfect in everything you do, although we strive to be. Like, you have to have things that go wrong and, you know, things that don't go as planned because they're all, like, learning experiences, aren't they, for us as parents yeah. and also for our kids. And they they almost need to see you get things wrong as well because they need mm-hmm. to know that that's, that's okay and that's acceptable and, you know, life doesn't stop. You move on and you take on your new challenge. So, yeah, I think there's so many yeah important things to take from that it's so true that's all that you that's again I think a a generational shift and that I've picked up in the book that we don't have to be perfect and we don't have to know it all and that we are because I think when you think back to your parents I just held them on this pedestal like they absolutely knew it all and that had everything sorted and it's very good for confidence in terms of trusting them but actually when as you get older and you realize that isn't the case it can be a massive shock whereas I'm much better, I hope, at talking to my kids about my failures or when I'm worried mm. or when I'm... Mm. The the ups and downs of it all, I think. Yeah, because I, I, I'm the same. I look back and I think, gosh, my parents, they just knew everything. And then you get to the age of about 20 and you're like, my mum told me that and what? I'm sure that's not right. <laughs> yeah, she just made that yeah. up. <laughs> so actually just, you know, those honest conversations and I think, you know, allowing your kids to to really like understand their emotions as well is such a huge part, particularly at this age, this age that they're at, you know, Reggie's seven and, you know, going through COVID and everything that's happened this past year or so, you know, for them to understand their emotions and 
and mental health is is really key for them to develop and and like grow and move on from this time as well I think you're right and that actually is like a very neat kind of ending because I think I spent a lot of my life thinking that you're you're striving for happiness and that isn't how it it goes that's what I really want them to learn that life isn't like this you don't just reach this happy utopia at any given point even in the happiest moments you know on holiday or or your best achievements there'll be there'll be tough stuff as well so even when you Mm. picked up the gold you your son was at home and I think if you understand your feelings that that the bad stuff and the good stuff often come hand in hand and therefore you Mm. shouldn't be scared of the difficult times or the the more complicated not the less the, the, the emotions like anger and sadness that mm. we tend to see as bad they're just all sit on a, a part of being human yeah and I suppose it's just like understanding them isn't it and just taking like an ex- using them as experiences and being able to like learn mm-hmm. from them I think is the biggest thing yeah which we just didn't I just didn't know any of it's taken me till yeah my late 30s to kind of see oh when you're feeling in a rage what is your body trying to tell you Mm. what is actually going on more often than not that you're overwhelmed and that you need to step back a bit but it's not just Mm. me as an angry person it's me yeah needing to step back yeah, it's so true. I just think as a parent, you become so enriched, don't you? You kind of have to really look at yourself on an individual level and kind of delve into those deep areas that you perhaps wouldn't before so that you can mm-hmm. be like the best version of you for your kids. So, yeah, I think for me, like having kids has just, yeah, enriched me in a way that I kind of never really, like firstly knew I needed, but I <laughs> just never imagined. And yeah, you just grow as a person so much. That's that's so mad to hear you say that like the bits that we think of the bit the achievements the buying this the going there the actual achievements is is everyday life of raising these kids and it's really important to remember that yeah I completely agree gosh it's a tough job though the pressure (laughs) the pressure I know especially if you want to be good at things but being (laughs) being not being good at it is is probably the bit which will teach them the most I think yeah yeah she says (laughs) <laughs> Try and remember. So two quick questions before next door start drilling again and because I've had a lot of your time. Here we go. <laughs> oh, <God. gasps> oh. Yes, two questions. So the the kind of vibe of this whole podcast is about having honest conversations because I think honesty is probably my favourite trait in people, even though it can be hard to receive it sometimes. What are your favourite traits or trait in people that you admire or you look for? Oh, that's tough. My favourite trait. Um, oh, that's hard. There's so many. I, I think I really admire people who are like passionate about something, like one thing that they're really passionate about and that they put so much energy and focus into. So like having a real passion for me is something that I, I love to see in people as well um oh humor like sense of humor I just I'm just thinking of traits when I think about my husband and I think having like sense of humor and someone that can just make you smile and make you laugh in all those like situations that you find yourself in is such a great quality and um yeah key trait to have and I also think I like people who don't take themselves too seriously as well. And I suppose that ties in with humour, just that ability to kind of, yeah, just 
be able to laugh at yourself and you know even in situations where you might be uncomfortable or you know things aren't going your way or you're nervous you're anxious just being able to flip it into humor and just to be able to laugh at yourself I think it's a really good um trait and I yeah I like to do that in people too there's a meme going around on Instagram today which is people don't talk about it but the most beautiful thing that could ever happen between two humans is when one human can make another person laugh when they've just been crying so you know when you're like (laughs) sobbing and then someone manages to make you laugh it's like yeah that 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 is is like yeah that is a that is a true yeah what a great quality what a key trait to have like to be able to do that and turn someone's just turn someone's way of thinking around when they're in like Mm. their deepest like darkest moment and and that upset being able to turn that into a smile is yeah it's huge humor humor is such a superpower it really is i like that you thought of your husband when you're thinking of your favorite (laughs) traits I think that's very nice. I mean, well, he does annoy me a lot to... as well. Of course, <laughs> but he is. Course. You are he... married to him. I I'm married to him. He he is hilarious. He makes me laugh all the time, and yeah, yeah, he's he's a good egg, definitely. You'll you'll keep him. I'll keep him for a while, yeah. <laughs> and then my second question was: you're also a bit curveball-y. This is again all about having these really big conversations. And when I think about that, I think like my my dream situation is those days when you have a long lunch with family or with friends and you end up just sitting around the table all afternoon and and putting the world to rights. If you were to think about your kind of dream dream scenario for a big chat, like where would it be? What would it look like? Who would there be there? What would you be eating? Oh, wow. Oh, I'd love to do this now. Um, these are such good questions. I, oh, where would I be? I'd be, I'd be in Italy somewhere, sat out with the most amazing, like, spread Italian food, great wine, like, on the beach, sun blazing, yeah, beautiful, like, scenery, and I'd have just my closest people, so I'd have, like, my, my closest friends from school, I've got, like, a group of, of five friends that I'd have there, my husband, um, the kids, um, I don't know, I just have like my core family. Like, I want all yeah. those people that are like closest to me there where you can just absolutely be yourself, just feel really relaxed and just, you've got all that common ground, that history, those, you know, great stories from, you know, with your friends when you were 16, 17 years old. Yeah. And yeah, just a really nice chilled like Italian it. meal. And you know what, at the moment that feels like literally the an unimaginable thing doesn't it i know <laughs> i know just... that's why i got so excited about thinking about it you know like this I was know. our life once not that you'd normally have all your friends and family in <laughs> Italy, like a wedding. you know what i mean like <laughs> would it would even just take a barbecue around someone's house to be honest if the sun would stay out and yeah it's i've had that a few times in the last couple of weeks like meeting people and having a big chat and you're like oh this is what it does when you've got other people to talk to and you know you're interacting with humans and it's really important and valuable yeah I think you just I don't know more than anything we've just missed having the like number of different conversations that you normally have Mm -hmm. when you've kind of been in your bubble in your house and you've had like the same kind of conversations and you know at home a lot of the time everything's you know about the kids what the kids do and what's happened Mm -hmm. kids whereas you know having those conversations with a friend or I don't know getting your nails done or whatever it might be just having that oh. different stimulation 
um, and hearing different people's I don't know lives and conversations. It's just yeah, it's something that you kind of take for granted. But yeah, mm. gosh, we've missed so much. Yeah, and actually, you get robbed a little bit of it in motherhood as well, don't you? Those times when you meet your friends and the kids are there, and you end up like loads and loads of half chats and you're like oh you 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 started telling me something really important then and we, yeah. we, we never finished it off or like oh what was you know like literally 10 half chats yeah but yeah just it tiny really is... lot of conversations my, my friend <laughs> yes. just had a baby and she she was talking to me the other day and she's like I can't remember what I was even saying I was like Katie this is what oh. happens that we will never have a proper conversation again <laughs> no and you have to learn to just because I remember finding it quite like upsetting to begin with and then you just accept it and, and basically next time you meet them you piece together a little bit more of that conversation and <laughs> eventually you might you might have the um the full chat or just not takes a or few you years. get this it does but that's why these podcasts I'm like these are amazing I get to actually have a full conversation with someone for an hour it's like they're dreamy on which note whilst the, the drilling has stopped thank you so much for letting me ask all sorts of random questions about all sorts of random things I've absolutely loved it oh thank you so much I've loved chatting to you it's been so nice thank you and and like well done with everything that you've achieved but also like with what, what you're working on now has the um potential to change so many people's lives it's only when you really think about it like yeah, I don't know the, the periods and and yeah the body literacy, particularly for women, it is it, so significant. So you're doing very very important work. Oh, thank you. And I'm going to get your book as well, so I can have those difficult uh, conversations and know how oh, to yeah. approach them. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, that was one of the loveliest chats I've ever had. What a really grounded but also supremely talented and evidently really driven person Jessica is I yeah I find it such an admirable combination that someone who had excelled at her work and to excel at it that must have taken so much graft but could be yeah so utterly down to earth so that is probably for me the ideal articulation of being balanced um i hope you found it interesting please do rate review subscribe tell your mates about it leave a comment or get in touch if you like at butwhy at clemmytelford.com and in the meantime have a good week and i'll see you next wednesday i say that every week and it's not seeing we'll be back together next week see you then bye bye